What is one of the most important decisions that you'll make once in your life, but then end up making every day thereafter? Today on the No Gray Areas podcast, we answer that question. You won't want to miss it. Catch it now. So today on the No Gray Areas podcast, we have a very, very, very special guest. Um, anybody who has heard me speak, they know that I will often joke about, well, this is my favorite passage. And I'll say, this is my favorite, favorite passage. I mean it, but I really mean it this time. <laughs> this is my most favorite person in the entire world. My wife, Sharman McCullough, she's joining us on the podcast. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Good to have you here. So we're going to do a podcast today about marriage. Uh, some people asked us about this. Uh, we were forced into this. Um, you were forced into this. I was totally this. forced <laughs> yes. into this. Because this is this your favorite is thing to do, isn't it? not my cup of tea at all. Yeah. So I apologize in advance for anything <laughs> that I may or may not say. Well, what people don't know is I, I did public speaking for a lot of years and they don't know that you always threatened my life, said, if you ever call me up on that stage, that right? That is absolutely 100% yes. true. So you're on the stage right now. Mm. <laughs> There's no audience. You're fine. Well, this fits into the No Gray Age podcast because it's about the power of choices, the complexity of choices. And I'm going to get into some statistics in a moment. But the biggest choice that anyone will make in this life is their spouse, uh, who they marry. And then day to day, the decisions they make on, on what they do with their marriage, how they grow that marriage, or how they can hurt that marriage. So when we talk about the complexity of choice and the power of choice, there's, there's no choice that you're gonna make that's more important than your marriage and how you feed into that marriage. But the statistics I'm gonna show you actually gave to me uh, recently. So. We got to start with this though, because people have to know our story. We got a, we have an interesting story. We always talk about it. It's kind of a fairy tale story. Uh, we met what year, or how old? We were we? in sixth grade. We were in sixth grade, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, it was love at first sight. Mm, no, not really. <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a moment. That's another question that we have. Uh, but we started dating our sophomore year in high school. Our first date though was interesting. This will show people uh, how young we were. Tell them a little bit about our first date, right? Oh, our first date was we were. A well, we were both sophomores in yeah. high school and you did not have your driver's <laughs> license yet. Yes. So I lived about a half hour out of town where the school was. So we had to ride the bus home with me. Yeah. And then we waited until my mom got home from work. Yeah. My brother and sister were with us and at the house. And then when they got, she got home from work, then we left for our date because I could drive. But I couldn't I had drive. my license and you did not. <laughs> so our first date, we uh, I had to take the school bus home with you. Yes. And then wait and then go on a date with you because yes. you could drive and I couldn't drive. That shows people how yes. young we were. But we, we kind of liked each other in sixth grade, right? We had the instant crush. You remember oh, I, yes. how much I tried to impress you those early years? I do not actually remember how much you tried to impress me, but I like to hear the stories because <laughs> I just don't remember. There was one time we were out at recess. I wanted you to see what a great athlete I was. And so it was snowing out and... Uh, uh, it was right at the end of recess and, and I don't remember who it was, one of our friends, right? He throws this pass and I'm running and I'm sure you're watching me. I just know that you're just standing over there doing nothing at recess, but watching me. Staring at you. Yes. Yeah. That's what I thought of course, was happening. Of course. And I'm running as fast as I can and I just lay out for this cause it's way out there. And, and I, and I'm, I'm just, you can picture me. I look like a hero just flying through the air and I mm -hmm. catch this football like Superman. and I bring it in. And apparently right before recess, a dog had <laughs> dropped his 
<laughs> right there. And I went sliding through this fresh dog poop all over me. And since I lived a long way from down too, I had no change of clothes. My mom couldn't bring a change of clothes. So I had to go in from recess. I had to clean up as much as I could. But everybody in class. And it's funny you don't remember I this. Wish I wish I remembered it because you probably stunk. Oh, so I did. Bad. Everybody made fun of me the whole rest of the day. And I thought I lost my chance with her. That was it. I lost my chance with her. But a couple of years later, we started dating. Well, uh, how did I propose? We were how old? When you proposed? Yeah. We were, were we 18? 19. No, I think I was 19. Yeah, yeah. I think I was 19. Barely 19. Yeah. Barely. No, I was only 18. I hadn't had my birthday yet. You're right. I was only 18. You're right. I had just turned mm -hmm. 19. We got yes. married when we were 19, but, but I hadn't when had I my proposed birthday to you, it you was were, January. Yeah, mm -hmm. January 6th. Mm -hmm. You did not see that coming, right? So, no, so explain. <laughs> yeah, tell, I did not see that coming. Them. We were out really late the night before, and it was usually me and all of your friends. And we were out ice skating at an outdoor rink, and it was gorgeous. Like the snow was coming down, it was beautiful. And then we went back to the apartment that you shared with friends, and we were just hanging out and having pizza and whatever really late because your friends worked Our main at a pizza food group place. Was yeah. Pizza, yeah. Yeah. Do people know that? in your apartment you used to have keep all of your pizza boxes and yes. you had a whole stack of pizza boxes like almost up to the ceiling almost up to the ceiling two or three times yeah that's yes. true it was that is true. it was unhealthy he worked it he was got very free pizza. yes yes so, so yeah we're, yes. we're we were out skating till two in the morning having yes pizza. you i think we're talking with a friend of yours and you just said here, let's go for a drive. And it's like two in the morning. And I said, I really need to get home. And you're like, well, let's just go for a drive first. And it's like, okay. So we started driving around and you stopped at a gas station and you didn't tell me what was going on. And we ended up, it was really icy out. And so we ended up in the Albertsons parking lot and you started doing- You can't get much more romantic than this. You started doing like donuts. If people don't know what donuts are, look yeah, it up. Spinning but the car in circles on the right, ice. Right, on the ice. And you did one and you stopped and you looked at me and you pulled a fake rose from the it's gas all station. All they had at the gas station out of, your, <laughs> out of your coat and you handed it to me and you said, they say if you buy her a rose, she'll love you forever. Will you marry me? Yeah. And I thought you were kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were joking. I wasn't, I didn't think you were serious. And then I quickly realized that you were serious and yeah. it was very, very sweet and I went home. I couldn't quit smiling. In fact, my mom the next morning was like, why are you so happy? Because I had told you you can't say anything to your parents because I vowed that I would ask your dad. To, I vowed to myself that I would ask your dad first. Yes. Your parents' permission. Yes. And yeah. I hadn't because that was in it some It was very ways, spur of the moment. It was very spur of the moment in the sense of I was thinking that we had to, you know, the typical thing. We got to wait till we're through college and all of that. And the reality of it hit me that... We probably wouldn't stay together because I was going to go away to college. You were going to stay there. And long distance relationships usually don't happen. And so kind of spur of the moment, I just yeah. like, I'm just going to ask her to marry me. Mm -hmm. So here we are. How many years later? 31. 31 years yeah. of marriage now. We actually, yesterday when we were talking about this, we had to pause and make sure it was 31 and not like 32, right? Right. Yeah. yeah we yeah. always mess that up. Well, this is why this podcast is so important. Again, because it fits with the complexity of choices, the power of choices. You actually, Charmin, you sent me a statistic the other day and it was data on who we spend our time with over the course of our lives. So I want the audience to imagine that they're seeing a graph. Time spent with parents and siblings. It's it, it peaks in childhood and declines after age 20. So you can actually picture this graph in your mind of this of the time spent with um, mm -hmm. time spent with parents and siblings goes up at 20 and then it just drops off. Time spent with friends peaks at age 18 and declines sharply to a low baseline. 
Time spent with children peaks in your 30s and declines sharply. So obviously you're spending a lot of time with them. Uh, it drops a little bit, but then at 30, poof. time spent with coworkers steady during the prime working years, 20 to 60 is basically the same. Here's what's interesting. Time spent with a partner trends upward until death, which means the person that you're going to spend, whoever you, your spouse, whoever you asked to marry you, this year, spend the rest of your life with, you're going to spend more and more and more time with them. That has the definitely been true in our relationship. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially once your kids. Yep. So leave home. You better like that person, right? That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> because it has been true with us. I mean, we, you know, we knew each other since sixth grade. We dated in high school. We get married at 19. We started a family. I mean, here we are now, 31 years later. We have three kids, two amazing son-in-law uh, son and a daughter-in-law, and then six grandkids. But we're finding that we're spending more time together now than we really have in our entire mi married life. That is very true. Definitely. So it indicates the importance of... Uh, making sure you choose the right one, and then you make good choices along the way on having a happy marriage. So one of the things we want to do, we're going to get in some questions that the audience uh, sent in, but we want to play a newlywed game for not so newlyweds. All right, okay, let's so, do this. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read a question, and then I'm going to just count down three, two, one, and we're both going to give who we think the answer is. Okay. okay? And we'll do 10 of them. And uh, since we're both competitive, we're going to keep score on this, okay? Okay. All right, and we're going to have to mutually agree who won which is actually good. Everybody's going to listen or watch. We can agree to disagree on something. <laughs> See, we're going to have a fight right now. <laughs> All right, here we go. Who is more organized? Three, two, one. Me. Charmin. Who is the better cook? Three, two, one. Me. Charmin. Who said... Unless it's grilling or the smoker, then it's absolutely you because yeah. I don't touch those. So like once every two weeks, I show my cooking skills by smoking something. <laughs> no, you're something. very I'm, good. I'm getting good at that, but that's about all I can do. And pumpkin very pie well. made a really killer oh, pumpkin pie. Oh, it was a really killer pumpkin pie. Yeah. yeah. All right. Who said I love you first? Three, two, one. You. Me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who is the better driver? Three, two, one. Me. me. No, no. <laughs> yes, absolutely me. No, no. What? Yes. I, let's talk about tickets. Oh, well, that doesn't mean, that just means I'm a fast driver. It doesn't mean I'm not a good driver. Uh, all right, we're, so that's one one for me. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that one. Um, who is the most routine-oriented? Three, two, one. Me. Char. Who is always right? Three, two, one. You. <laughs> okay, this, this right here would be a good <laughs> podcast because we're seeing there's two questions here that I'm sure every married couple would, would, most married couples would come to with what we did. Split decision on that one. Who spends more money? Three, two, one, Char. You. Oh, no. Well, no. And the reason here's the reason I would say that. The reason I would say that is because usually when you buy something, it's like a lot of money. And I usually buy like smaller things. And I'm usually buying it for other people. That's true. I know. But it's just who spends more money. So think about how you are with gifts. My wife for the audience. But aren't the gifts technically from us? Yes. Yes. So... <laughs> <laughs> but who usually buys them? The, the audience needs to know that my wife's favorite thing is to buy gifts for people. You love to buy gifts for people, especially family. I do, even yes. though I sometimes stress out about it. But I would say you spend more money. Okay. Okay. We're not doing really well on this game. All right. Here we go. Who is more likely to binge watch a show on Netflix? Three, two, one. Me. Char. Yeah. Who is most likely running late? 
three, two, one, Pat, me. You. Yes, oh, that's absolutely an easy one. you. It's an easy one because your little mantra for life is if you're not early, you're late. Yes. Or you often will say, if you're early, you're on time. Yes. That's another that is thing true. you love to say. You always said that to our kids too. Yes. All right, last one. Who is more of a daredevil adventurous? Three, two, one, you. me. Yeah. yeah. All right. So there was really three of them that we uh we disagreed on. So we'll fight about this later on. Oh, there's <laughs> no fight. <laughs> Who is always right? <laughs> There's no fight. <laughs> you said we'll just I was have to agree right. to disagree. Yes. Okay. That's part of marriage, though. Yes, that's true. Yes. All right. So some some questions submitted by the audience, and I, I'm actually excited about this because I do think you you and I talked about this recently. In some ways, we feel like why why do we have a platform to talk about this? Like we're not marriage counselors, or this isn't our specialty. But it was interesting. A friend of mine asked me recently. Um, this is just a week or two ago, two weeks ago. He said, what would you rank your marriage on a scale of one to 10? And I said, a 9.5. And I told him, I said, I think my wife would give it a seven, maybe an eight. I think I said an eight. Yeah. Did I say an eight? Yeah. I don't even remember now. Yeah. But he told me when I said that, he goes, you know, you guys are way outside of the typical. I mean, even people that have uh, healthy marriages wouldn't really rank theirs that high. And, um. It's not to say we don't have a perfect marriage by any means, and we're oh, still no. working through it. We're two on, we're two human beings that still have our fights, but I do think there's we have something to offer, and especially you do, because anybody who got to know Sharman McCullough would know that your husband adores you. You have okay. Don't start, please. <laughs> you have three kids that worship you, and you have six kids that absolutely adore you, and a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law that couldn't could never dream of having a mother-in-law as amazing as you. So thank you. that is why you have a lot to offer with this is I think there's a lot of young people that maybe going into marriage should be going, I want a marriage like that someday. I want my kids to, to look at me like they look at you someday. I want my grandkids someday to adore you, me like they, your grandkids adore you. So I think we have things to offer here. So these are questions that were sent in uh, by the audience, and we're just going to talk through some of them, okay? Okay. So was it really love at first sight? Sixth grade, you were late to school. You walked in. I was already in class sitting down. Small rural community in Montana. Um, so we had a, our graduating class from high school was 18, so the audience knows when we say small, we're talking small school. But you're the, you're the new girl at school, and you walk in, and I glance up, and I'm like, oh, dang, she's cute. And you got on the bus later and you said, mm -hmm. oh, he's cute to your sister and then denied it when she told everybody. But is that love at first sight? I would say no. I would say that we thought each other were cute, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it was love at first sight because I didn't know you. I think if you really love somebody, like really truly love somebody, I think you've gotten to know them. Yeah. Who they are. Yeah. And why would you say that? Like, why, why would you say you can't really love someone until you really know them? Because there's a lot of people that would talk about love at first sight or our story. It's kind of a fairy tale story. They would say, oh, you guys loved each other right away. Mm. We've never dated anybody else. We got married at 19. And the first moment we saw each other, we liked each other. But you would say that's not love? No. I would agree. We've talked about this many times. We've said um, that was uh, liking or infatuation. Mm -hmm. I think someone can look across the room or across the restaurant or across the bar freckles. and go... <laughs> Yeah, and, and go, um, I, I think they're cute, or I want to get to know them more. But that's just infatuation. That's, in fact, we, attraction. Yeah, attraction. 
But it's not really love until you've gone through some crap together, right? No, that's true. Yeah, definitely. Like you can almost imagine, like the audience can imagine like a U-shape. And over here, it's attraction or infatuation. And then you go down and then you get into the crap or we could use another word and bleep it out. And then you come back up the other side and that's what love is, is you've worked through some stuff. We've talked about that For before. Sure. Yeah. All right. Number two. So it wasn't love at first sight, but it was attraction at first sight. Number right. two. What is something you wish you could go back and tell your newlywed self after knowing each other for 40 years and being married for 31 years? If you could go back and talk to Charmin at 19. I would say figure out how to communicate with your spouse whether that's seeing a counselor not because you're in trouble or reading a book or figuring out okay when we do have problems let's agree on these are some steps that we're going to take to either talk about it communicate about it or figure it out that is one thing that i would suggest yeah yeah because we just had to we just had to kind of figure that out right um on oh. our own yeah and i'm years, still and i'm still, not i'm yeah. i'm a, totally a work in progress on that <sighs> well me too we what we just had a we just had a, a good little disagreement a couple of weeks ago and it yes, really came down did. to communication yes again. we did 31 years we've known each other for f almost 40 years and 31 years later and we're still it took us five days to talk about <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> yes it did it did so if you could go back to to Sharma 19 you're about to get married or you've been married for a couple of months, you would want to say, hey, take some time, whether it's going to a counselor, mm -hmm. reading a book, or figuring mm -hmm. out, but learning Working on how do we communicate skills. really well. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you would say to Sherman at 19? Mm, that it's okay to set boundaries, even yeah. between you yeah. and your spouse. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I learned... We're both smiling, and we'll... Yes, we'll, one, the, well, one the, of the uh, things... So a lot of the audience just listening, so they can't see us smiling. Yeah. So go on. Well, well, well one, of the, one of the things that uh, we learned, actually, when we were walking through a book with a group of friends, the Boundaries book, mm -hmm. had to do... Highly recommend it. Highly recommend that book, because you think, oh, these are, like, super serious, and it's like, no, these doesn't don't have to be super serious boundaries, because the one that really made a difference for me was you might have a terrible day at work or you're just really grumpy for some reason and i would take i would take that on i would take it personally or i would be like and then all of a sudden it's affecting my day it's affecting my attitude which then affects the kids and everything and i realized after we read that book that i do not have to be grumpy just because you're grumpy yeah. Yeah. i can say man i'm really sorry you had a really crummy day but, but i can choose i can still choose not to have a crummy attitude and take on your problems because number one, I can't fix them and they're your problems and it's your attitude and I can't fix that. Yeah. You have to fix it. But that, we were we were a ways into marriage before oh, was we probably, talked about that. Wouldn't you say we were 10 years into marriage? Is that, or, oh, or more than that? probably, probably. Yeah, 10 plus probably. years. Yeah. The reason that if they're watching this and not listening, they saw us smiling when we brought this up. And the reason we're smiling is because when we were going through that book together and that was one of the boundaries that you put out, that was a big one for you. Man, it pissed me off early on because I'd come home and I'd be angry and grumpy and you would used to get angry and grumpy with me. It was kind of like I'd bring mm -hmm. you down to my level. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, um, my wife's changing and she's still going through the house like whistling and happy and I'm mad okay, and I'm like, well, you should be mad with me. And it was so it was something we just kind of had to work out. But right. that was a great book. And that, I would highly recommend that for really anybody. Um, oh, absolutely. Especially in a relationship. Yes, because it doesn't, it's not even just for your marital relationships. It could be friendships, family, yeah. 
they offer different books for different. Yeah. I think the thing that I jotted down when I was thinking through that question, what would I go back to the 19 or 20 year old Pat and say, I would go, this is going to go really, really fast. Oh, that's a good one. It's true. So soak it up. I don't think you and I have talked about this a lot because we just made it into our fifties recently. We're both 51 now. Um, I don't think we, we didn't, it's not that we thought people were lying to us when they said that. And then I'm saying this to anybody who's in their twenties and thirties and early forties right now. You can't know until it happens how fast it's going to go. That's very true. That's very true. Sometimes you just have to experience it in order to fully wrap your head around yeah. how it feels. One of the quotes that you and I have really grown to uh, connect with and go, yeah, how true that is, is in your 20s and 30s, sometimes the days are long and the years are short, right? That's true. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. especially for especially you with, with, with little with kids. Little kids, and, yeah. Because you, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, you wanted to stay home with the kids and I love that you did and you, you enjoyed those years, but you had some long days because of mm-hmm. it. But all of a sudden it felt like we blinked our eyes and they're, they're leaving gone. home. They have their own, starting their own families. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say to, I, I, I tell my young self, treasure the journey because it's going to go fast. Yeah. And I'm sure anybody who's 60 or 70 listening to us said, you have no you idea, have no how idea. Faster it's going to go Just in the next. Wait. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't want right. to hear that. Next one. What special role has your faith in God played in your marriage? Probably one of the biggest things for me is hope. Because when you're in the middle of something that's either frustrating or even just family issues or marital issues, I guess we're talking about marriage, but there's just there's just hope. There's hope for reconciliation. Mm-hmm. There's hope for, for change, for forgiveness. There's hope for, for joy mm-hmm. and just a renewal. Yeah, I wrote down uh, forgiveness. It was a big mm-hmm. one for me. And, you know, you've heard me tell this story many times, but this is early in our marriage. And we uh, we'd moved to Chicago. So we're 19. We get married and we moved <laughs> to Chicago, have no job, no place to stay, uh, no little car. bit of the savings and no car. And so we, were we roll into Chicago as 19-year-olds, both of us from rural Montana. And uh, yeah, we've got story. three days before the U-Haul has to be back. And we got to find an apartment. We mm-hmm. got to find jobs. Nobody would rent um, a hotel room for us because we were only yeah. 19. Yeah. Because you, know. you had to be 21 there. And remember, I got so angry at that manager of the hotel. Yeah. Because we drove back like miles just trying to find a hotel to stay at that mm-hmm. night. Finally, I'm like, let me talk to the manager. Manager comes out. I'm like, you tell me I'm, you mean to tell me that I, I'm, I, I could join the military and go overseas and get my head blown off, but I can't rent a hotel room. With my wife. But we finally did yes. rent one and we found out why they rented it to us because it was a dive disgusting place <laughs> and i went in to get ice later and the guy's checking someone else and he's like did you want the whole night rate or the half night rate and i'm going where are we <laughs> staying so yes those were those were early years but anyway we have a disagreement early on there we're living in chicago and i'm driving into work and i remember thinking to myself i'm right this time and i still look i don't even remember what it was about for sure but it was one of those times where obviously we have a lot of disagreements we've had a lot of disagreements sometimes you were right sometimes i was right sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. but in this case i was so sure i was right and i had done the dangerous thing and i had counted and i said i said sorry the last four times it's her turn but i remember that little verse in ephesians forgive as christ forgave you and i remember thinking to myself oh my gosh what if god counted oh what yes. if god counted and said have forgiven you enough times mm-hmm. you're done So he didn't ask us to forgive like we humans forgive. He said, forgive as I forgive. So that one's been a huge one for me. And I know you've had to forgive me a lot more than I've had to forgive you. But that was one of them that that. that stuck with me. 
that it that we're being being you know the question again what special role has your faith in god played the forgiveness thing we're mm-hmm. gonna keep forgiving i think the other one and we're going to touch on this in a little bit again was uh it's a covenant that in the bible marriage is a covenant it's not just that you you said uh, i do in front of some family and friends there's something mystical about it in fact jesus compares it to him in the church mm. so when we stood up we said i do there was something mystical wasn't just a contract we made it was a covenant mm-hmm. it's a very serious covenant and we'll get into that a little bit more in, okay. in a moment but all right number four another question that came in from the audience what is a struggle of getting married young that no one talks about this is a good one because this is a really not a lot of 19 year olds get married anymore not nowadays no what were some true. struggles that came up because we got married in 19 well part of this struggle probably had a little bit to do with the fact that when we moved to chicago after we got married i had been living at home So, and you had been out on your own for a few years, but holidays and traditions can sometimes be difficult when you get married or getting married young because you haven't necessarily had time to um, maybe develop your own. Mm -hmm. And then when you get married, it's like, well, my family did this. Well, my family did that. Well, what are we going to choose to do in our family? Or we go hang out with your family or do we hang out with my family at this time? Or there's just can be a lot of drama there could be a lot of conflict and so there could be some holidays where you end up fighting (laughs) trying to figure that out instead of celebrating whatever that holiday or occasion may be so that was something that and sometimes it's just hard yeah especially i mean i did grow up in a family that did have a lot of traditions and moving away from home right after getting married it was hard not to be around family yeah so we had to we were having as 19 year olds to start building our own traditions Mm -hmm. what you're saying is it was trying to wrestle through like, okay, which ones are we going to do from your family? Which are we going to do from my family? And Or just new ones. Yeah, new ones. New yeah. ones. We're still making new ones. We are. Yeah. Yes. Which which goes to, this is another thing you and I talk about often. You know, people say, well, it's dangerous getting married young. Well, it's dangerous getting married at any age. I don't care what it is. But most people say getting married young because you're going to change. Your brain hasn't fully developed mm-hmm. until you're mm-hmm. 24. I hear all that stuff all the time. And you and I, this is something we're adamant about, right? What do you often say? You're constantly changing. You saw me change in my 30s. Absolutely. And your 40s. Yeah. Big time in my 40s. You're constantly changing. So you have to learn to adapt, be flexible, and to allow for that change. And hopefully it's positive and not negatively, but you're still, you want to grow and mature. Yeah. Whether relationally, in your faith, um, with your family. Um, whether it's education, your job, yeah, the older you get, you don't, I certainly don't want, I'm certainly hope I'm not the same person I was when I was 20 or 30 yep. for that matter. Exactly. And I think that's such an important point for people to take. I don't care if you wait till you're 25 or 30 or 35 to get married. If you think you're established and you're not going to change. That's um, true. You will. That's what you'll you're saying. You'll be disappointed. Right? Yeah. You'll yeah. be disappointed because yeah. you will change. And so we've had to, in all the years we've known each other since sixth grade, dating through high school, <laughs> married since we're 19, we've had to journey through both of us changing. Right? For sure. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Uh, for me, the one that I wrote down on that one, I struggled with getting married young. I had to give up some things. I loved sports. I loved sports. I loved playing basketball. And um, we're young, married, 19, 20. Like we said, we had no jobs. We moved to Chicago. So all of a sudden, we, I'm, I'm sitting, working, uh, working security at the camp, the school mm-hmm. we're going to, and I'm sitting in the security vehicle, watching all these guys go down to play intramurals. 
and I remember it almost hurt my heart. I wanted to play so bad and I couldn't cause I had to, I had to work. And so I said, you just, there are some things we had to give up for that. Now I would yeah. never, I would never change it. In fact, I wrote this quote down. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love more. So True. I had a sacrifice, but I look back and I go, I do that sacrifice again any day. It was worth it. But, right. but you do have to give up some things. For All right. Sure. Anything else you want to say on that? Another one would be friendships. <laughs> that change. <laughs> yes. That yeah, change. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's because, especially when we were married so young, you have, you know, you have all of your friends and I had my friends, which were mostly your friends yep. for the most part. But um, yeah. sometimes you have to transition to that. Wait, now I am your, like, I'm, you want to be your best friend, but sometimes that comes mm -hmm. into play mm -hmm. yeah. action wise in the choices that you make when you talk about wanting to hang out with your friends versus maybe I your spouse. I learned that the hard way, didn't I? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Can I tell yes, that story? Absolutely. So one of the guys, Shar and I had gone to school with him. I'd gone to school with him since fourth grade, sixth grade when you came, mm -hmm. uh, graduated. He he was one of my buddies. We did a lot of backpacking together. We'd work out together. But I told Shar one night, I told you one night, I said, hey, uh, we're going to go to the river. And you said, what time will you be back? And I said, oh, around dinner. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. an afternoon. I said, around dinner. She said, okay. So I go to the river and um, we, we were This is pre-cell phone, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like this is back in like 91. So exactly. this is pre-cell phone. No way yeah. for us to get a hold of each other. No. But all of a sudden he and I are just, you know, throwing rocks, skipping rocks across the water. And I realize the sun is going down. Now in Western Montana in the summer when the sun goes down, it's about 930. And so I'm like, oh man, Rich, we got to go. I told my wife I was going to be home at dinner. So we get, it takes us a half an hour to drive home. So I get, I probably walk in about 10 o'clock at night and I, I, I'm already like, oh man, this isn't going to be good. And I open the door and the first thing I see is the table. Now we were so poor. We just had one of those little card tables card that table. you could set up and down. And that was our dinner table, but it was set up and there's this beautiful dinner set and candles burning, but they were only about half an inch long now because they'd been burning a long time. Yes. And you're sitting with a nice negligee yes. on the couch with my arms folded and like tears yes well, it might have been anger at that point yeah, and not a, tears but for, i was sure very upset yeah. yes. yes that was a hard lesson to learn what you said i i had to learn because it you know broke my heart to see what i did to you but i, I had to learn at that point that uh, i got to change how i'm living how the priority I'm, how I'm living friends priorities right. yeah mm -hmm. well said well said. Right. Okay. Another question that came in. What boundaries did you set with family to honor, protect your marriage? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, one of the first ones that came to mind was just to, when you're talking about your spouse or significant other to, especially family, because that's what this question is, just be mindful of how you're talking about them. Because if you're having a really hard time with your spouse and you may say something to a family member that's really negative because you're mm -hmm. really frustrated or upset at, at that time. But to you, you're like, oh, okay, we dealt with it. You know, you make up, you get over it. You're, you know, you're sorry or whatever. But your family member may not forget that you said that. And mm -hmm. that could affect their relationship mm -hmm. with their spouse for the negative, which, eh, that yeah. could create problems down the road. Yeah. And we, boy, we both saw some marriages that were ruined that way with people dragging their garbage because every marriage has their garbage ears. Every oh, marriage has sure. their disagreements yeah. and their fights. Yeah, but nice when you start dragging out that out to family, it can be really, really dangerous. And it's something I've always been extremely thankful for you, Char, because even when I was teaching and coaching, I used to go in the teacher's lounge in our 20s <laughs> and I would hear these women just complaining about their husbands. 
and it's been so good to know that if even when you're upset with me, even when you're frustrated with me, I know that you're not dragging that out in front of other people that you usually speak highly of me. And so I've always appreciated that, mm-hmm. but that's a, that's a good one. So having boundaries with how you talk about your spouse, mm-hmm. that's what you're saying. Yes. I'm not saying you don't ever not say anything that you're having a hard time or you're going through something or, you know, I'm really, yeah, we're really upset with each other. So you're not saying that you are going to pretend like everything's fine. No, because you can't share do that. Like, that's Hey, fake. pray for us. We're having a tough time right now or something like that. Right. Okay. I mean, and you can still indicate that things aren't well without dragging your spouse through the mud. Yes. You can be like, yeah, we're not really happy with each other right now. We'll figure it out. But right now is really tough. I think that's a really good one. It's just making sure that is you, you're really trying to honor and respect your spouse and how yeah. you talk about them to other people, yeah. especially family. Now, we, we could put a caution here, too. I think that changes if you're in an abusive situation. Oh, for sure. That's not yeah. what we're talking about. If you're about in an abusive at all. situation, because a lot of people that have been abused, they're like, well, I didn't want yes. to talk about it. And like, you, mm-hmm. yeah, you, need to, you should not you be need in that to situation. Talk about you need it. to tell mm-hmm. someone. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Another one question from the audience How did you prioritize your marriage when you started expanding your family, having children? adoption, foster parents. One of the things that we tried to protect is our evenings together. Mm -hmm. So when we had kids, kids need a lot of sleep to begin with. So putting them to bed between six and seven or six thirty and seven thirty, and it varies with their age, but having an early bedtime ensured that even though we were able to spend time with our kids at the bedtime, because that's when they start to get really chatty and, and want you. Yeah, suddenly they have to go to the bathroom five times. Right. But their brain is starting their, to, yeah. but their brain is also starting to process the day and they want to talk about it. And so it's like, okay. But we also wanted to make sure that we had time in the evening to spend together. We yeah. needed that time together too. So even as our kids, more than anything, even as our kids got older and sometimes we just would say, I know you're not going to turn your light off right now. You can leave your light on and read or draw, play a little bit even, whatever. Sometimes it was like, as long as they're quiet and we don't hear them, (laughs) we're good. But that way we still had our time together as a couple. And then the other one would be um, lock your doors, lock your bedroom doors. Yeah. We have some stories there, but we won't share them with the the audience. (laughs) Very important one. Sorry, Kim. And here's why I think that's good, what you're saying. And you're probably going to share some more on this, but I think it's good for everybody to remember, you will continue to spend life with that spouse and your kids will be gone someday. Yes. And the, the danger sometimes is a lot of spouses, they start prioritizing their kids over their spouse. It's really hard not to do. I know I did that a lot. And we had to talk about that. That was hard for you because that was my priority, especially staying home mm-hmm. every day with the mm-hmm. kids. But it goes back to that idea of of making sure that you remember that uh, your spouse is the one you're mm-hmm. going to be spending life with. Your kids are going to move on, start their That's own true. families. Yeah. So spending time. What, anything else you have on that? Um, the other thing would be talking about something when you do have a date which we can talk about another time but when you do spend time together sometimes talking about things subjects other than your kids especially if you're um if you have children um or sometimes it could also be if maybe you don't have children yet and maybe sometimes you just talk about something other than work yeah that could be a big one too and one of the things that has helped us with that and you can find these for the audience members, you can find these online. You can look it up and find books, but you can find quest- questions for spouses, like 101 questions or 36 questions or 50 questions and to talk about with your spouse. And it just dives 
deeper and you get to learn more and become more intimate with your husband as far as getting to know them and each other versus just talking about maybe the same thing over and over again. Good. All right. Next question from the audience. How did you maintain a healthy relationship during the hardest times of your marriage? I wrote down um, fighting for the marriage, not fighting with each other, but fighting for the marriage. In fact, I wrote it this way. I said, um, I'm... I'm for her, not against her. I would would have to remind myself of That's that sometimes. True. I'm for her, not against her. We're, we're on a team. Does In fact, the last like time we, the last time we, a few weeks ago when we had our big to do, that's something that when we talked, when we finally communicated and talked about it, that was what you even mentioned. Yeah, we're on the same team, so we're going to figure this thing out. And we've had, you know, at any marriage, any marriage that's, if you've been married a year, you probably had some of these, but you married 31 years like we have, you've definitely had some of them. You've gone through some hard times. Absolutely. I mean, difficult things. You've, we've had three miscarriages. You know, you've had, I've lost some jobs. You, you know, we've been like, what are we going to, how are we going to make, how are we going to pay the bills? You lose family members. You lose family members. You're grieving at different things. So we, mm-hmm. we've gone through some difficult things together. And then sometimes when you're going through those difficult things, you know, you find yourself on two different, like, I'm having Journeys, a good right. day and you're having right. a tough day. Right. But I, I think mm-hmm. to, to me, I wrote that down. That's a big one that we just have to keep reminding you. We're, we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. We're on the same team. And, and to give each other grace. Out. I guess that was something that good. I thought about was you give each other grace to be where they're at if it is a really hard time. Because sometimes when you're going through hard times, I guess this is specifically talking about in your relationship, but you might be at a different stage of yeah. um, growth even personal growth or maybe maybe you've had trauma in your life and it's like something came up and you're just having a hard time but to give each other grace that the other they're not perfect I'm not per- you're not perfect I'm not perfect and how can I be yeah. there for you during yeah. this time be and like you said be there for each other yeah because our relationship I'm for you, not against you. That's a good one because I don't think you can really be on the same team or be for you, that person, not against them without grace. But, so I've, I'm glad you hmm. mentioned that. Grace is a big one. All right, uh, next question. What sort of gray areas in marriage lead to toxic and health, unhealthy relationship? This is a good question because this whole podcast is no gray areas and it's built around the story of some couple of guys that stepped into some gray areas and it got them in a mess and... They're still paying the price for that, the consequences mm-hmm. of that. So the question is, what kind of gray areas in marriage lead to toxic and unhealthy, unhealthy relationships? How can we maybe share some gray areas that people that are behind us in their journey can can be careful of or they're in the same time, uh, part of their journey as we are and maybe be aware of these gray areas? What are some that you worked on? One of the big ones, I think, is communication. The lack of communication or maybe communicating and um the wrong way is sometimes it's I mean as any couple knows it's maybe not what you said it's how you said it (laughs) tone or um, the timing it's like wow maybe I should have waited until I said something about that because we're not in a good neither of us are in a good space to talk about it so I think communication is definitely a big factor. And man, do I have a, still a long ways to go on that one. But Yeah, I'm we both do. It. And I think, I don't know that there's any marriage that someone to say they've arrived at that, but you, you brought communication up a couple of times. And I think that's good because that's what we'd say to people. Man, it's so much of having a healthy marriage is communicate, communicate, communicate. Well, as much as I'd like to think I know what you're thinking, I usually don't. Yeah. I Problem can't, I can't read your mind. Yeah. 
Yeah. Even though I think sometimes I can. Well, <laughs> I that, assume. But that's such a great point because that goes both ways. Like you can't, we can't read each other's minds. True. You know, one of the things, and you know, hopefully we'll keep getting better at this because this is probably most of our disagreements we still have. It's working through lack of communication. So if sometimes I would simply, and this is a something that I learned a long, long time ago, but I don't do it enough. But if I did it more, it probably help is to say, so you, you said this and what I heard you saying is you yes. think I'm a lazy, fat slob <laughs> and you go, wait, well, no, wait, but that's what? what I'm saying. That's what we do sometimes is we tell a story in our mind. Like you oh, say, true. Yes. you say, hey, I've asked you three times if you could fix that. Could you fix that? I tell myself the story. She thinks I'm a lazy, fat slob. I've been working my butt off. Doesn't she realize how long I've been working every day? How can she go ask me to say, but right. if I, if I just said, you've asked me three times, I haven't done that. I hear you saying I'm, I'm I'm lazy, and that's when you can go. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm just saying that uh, you're leaving in a couple of days, and I need you to fix that. Mm -hmm. This is actually Which, a real thing that just happened. Yes. Thank <laughs> yes. you for fixing. And I fixed it yesterday. Appreciate yes. that. Yeah, yeah. But that's the communication part. Yes. A couple of things that I wrote down, and and you may have some too, because this is a very important one. Gray areas. Taking them for granted. The longer you're married, mm. the easier it is to start taking that person for granted. That's a gray area to get into. But how do you not? How do you keep not? pursuing them? Well, that's you true. gotta keep pursuing that's them. True. I think that the danger is, is like when you're in the infatuation dating stage and you're just like in awe of them and you, you know, and you're seeing them that's at their true. best all the time. But the danger is you can start taking that person for granted. That's true. And that's a gray area to get into. And I, I don't know that the pursuing them is the only answer to that one. So I'd leave for the audience to to, to wrestle with that some. Right. How, how do you not take your spouse for mm -hmm. granted if you, after you've been married for five years or seven mm -hmm. years or ten years or thirty one years? But that's mm -hmm. a big one. That's a gray area. Another one is talking down to each other, disrespecting each other. Mm -hmm. We've done this pretty well. I mean, I think that's why we gave each other a pretty high score on our marriage. It's really hard when you're mad, when you're really well, mad sure. to yeah. not say, because here's what's interesting. No one on this planet knows how to hurt me quicker and easier with words than you do, right? Yeah. You, you <clears> could, Vice versa. Yep. And mm -hmm. I could do the same to you because yep. we know each other so well. Mm -hmm. So the danger is, is when we get really mad, like every couple does, mm -hmm. no one's made you more mad on this planet than mm -hmm. me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. When you're really angry, you better be very, mm -hmm. very careful with your mm -hmm. words. Sometimes it is in that instance, definitely better to just say, I can't talk about this yeah. right now. And you've said that to me before. You've been like, mm -hmm. I just, I can't, I can't talk about this right now. I need some time mm -hmm. because you're, you're aware that you don't want to say something that you may regret. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So or I, I need that, to think about it. <laughs> I think that's a, yes. a, a gray area that, that we have to be very careful of in our marriages that we don't talk down to each other. Or mm -hmm. And that goes back to what you said before about boundaries. Don't talk down about your spouse to other people either. Mm -hmm. You're just creating a habit then of talking down about them. Respect them mm -hmm. and honor them. Mm -hmm. And then this is the other one that um, I wrote down. Divorce isn't an option. Now, I, I, well, you and I talked about this last night and you said... You're taking that because I'm not wading into that mess. <laughs> and I do want to, I do want to say, man, if, if there's listeners and, you, and you've gone through a divorce, I mm -hmm. we're not trying to heap guilt on. Oh, um, absolutely We not. know no. a lot of couples who have gone through divorces. They're on their second or third marriages. Sometimes we know some couples are in second or third marriages and now it's like, oh my goodness, like God put them together. Yeah, they're perfect for one so another. So God, God is the great recycler. He loves to recycle things that have been broken mm -hmm. or but Redeemed, I yeah. think it's and 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 divorce. There can be one one person in a marriage that doesn't want this, and they fought for that, and someone else is saying, "I'm done," and I'm moving on. Right. So we get for all whatever that. we get all that. We know. So so let us let me just start by saying I get <laughs> that there's a lot of re in fact the Bible even gives some reasons for it, and mm -hmm. there's there's some things that can happen. 
But that's a gray area when you start having that as an option in your mind. And I think that's helped us. Is it just, it's not, it's not an option. In fact, no. a couple of weeks ago when we were having a disagreement, it was like, that's, what, I think that's what we, we even come to, came to each other finally. And we talked about it and we said, okay, we need to talk about this because we're living with each other. Rest and of I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't, we got to work this out because yeah, I don't yeah. want to be miserable yeah. and you don't want to be miserable and yep. let's, let's figure this out and yeah. let's be better together. If divorce isn't an option, then the best option is to fix the problem. True. Because if divorce is an option, then I may go. But if it's not an option, then my best option, our best mm -hmm. option is let's fix this. Because we're, we're, you know, if we give an, uh, get another 20 years on this earth, we're going to live another 20 years together. And right. this is kind of miserable mm -hmm. walking around our house like this. Right. So that's that's a gray area I think that's that you got to be really careful of. If you make that commitment, then mean that commitment. And just, just don't bring it. Do everything possible. To Do everything avoid. possible. And again, yes. we know some couples where maybe one spouse had that. And the other one mm -hmm. decided, I don't want to be in this anymore. And we, we get all that. But another question, who or what did you turn to if you had problems that you realized you both could not solve by yourself? I had some close friends that I would talk about things with. This goes back to what we talked about before. Most of the time, I didn't think any of the time, really, I talked to family. It was usually a close friend when, and it was mostly like I was really having a hard time, but it was probably affecting our relationship. And, um... A lot of times they were able to give me perspective and more than anything, the boot to say, talk to your husband. Mm, yeah. Because he's for you. Yeah, I would answer the same. We had some good mentors in our life. We had some good friends in our life. We've been blessed with that. And okay, I, I want to pause on that one and say, because we sometimes say we were blessed with that. No, we went out and found good ones because some people are like, well, true. I don't have any good friends or mentors. Go find them. We, we searched out and we made sure we had good people in our life. Mm -hmm. And That's I was the same thing. I wouldn't discount. We never did counseling. But I wouldn't discount that. That could be very, very important for some people. If it's like, hey, when you couldn't solve an issue, mm -hmm. maybe getting a good counselor can help mm -hmm. you because they'll just help mm -hmm. with the communication. So right. that could be yeah. a really important thing. Yeah. We had some friends and mentors that kind of did that for us a little bit. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. How can you best support your spouse when they are struggling emotionally, physically, mentally, or spiritually? Another question that came in. Sometimes I think we try to be God. And we try to solve their problems for them when they're struggling and they just may need somebody to talk to. They just may, they just need support um, mm -hmm. more than a, to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So their journey, because I believe this question's not necessarily talking about the marriage relationship. It's just talking about maybe where they're at in the personal mm -hmm. space. Why are you smiling? Well, no, I'm smiling because it's so good because I, I think okay, I've gotten I a little thought... better at this, haven't I? I was not good. I'm a problem solver by nature. Oh, yes. No, that's, that's what I do. That's so yes. early in our marriage, you'd come with me mm -hmm. something and I'd be like, okay, here's what we need to do. And I'd start trying to solve mm -hmm. the problem. And, I'm like, that's and not... you help me learn. Sometimes I right. just need a hug. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes yes. I need I just, you just need to, to know shut that, up and hug me and just Yeah. Sometimes it's talking about it, just expressing what is going on. Just there's relief and there's like, okay, I'm not you're not carrying it inside. You don't you don't feel like you're alone. I like that. So it's not playing God, it's just sometimes being there being there. Yes. Giving space. Yeah. yeah. I, I wrote that one down too. Um give them space, pray for them, be patient. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's how yes. we walk through that. Yeah. Prayer, um, that's a big one. Again, it goes sure. back to we're a team. We're better together. Mm -hmm. We're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not mm -hmm. sure how. I can't mm -hmm. see the end of this either, but we're going to mm -hmm. get through this. Because each team. of us have gone through different things on a personal level 
that the other person can't solve. Yeah. They have, it is not in their power to do that at all. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've publicly shared um, more so recently my battle with um, anxiety mm-hmm. and panic attacks for 12 years. And it, and it hit me in an area that, man, I loved, I loved, uh, you know, I was a speaker and I worked hard at it and um, it got exhausting. You know this better than anybody. Cause I mean, you saw it. Most people just hear me talk about it. every once in a while. Well, you saw this was a daily fight for me. So how did you, when you see a spouse going through something like that, how, how did you walk with me through that? You would probably be the better one to answer that than I would. Because what did I do that made a difference for you? Well, I, because ask, I ask you that because it goes along with what you're saying. You couldn't fix it. No. Right? I like that's what you're saying. You can't it. play God. No. Like you, there's nothing you could do to fix it. So what, what do you do as a spouse when you're in a situation like that and you're going through and they're, they're struggling physically, spiritually, emotionally, as they were saying, how do you handle that when it's like, I can't, I can't fix this. I can't do anything to... I think the biggest thing is to be there, let the person talk or share to be vulnerable um, to, I mean, prayer, that's, I mean, praying for the person is absolutely for sure, because that is the, probably the one thing that you can do that will help to maybe not fix the problem, but ease whatever is going on, but just support. Yeah. Yeah. It can look like whether you try to you know sometimes a distraction is needed sometimes that's the last thing that's needed you're just trying to gauge each instance each time that happens what do they need from me yeah and most of the time they don't need anything from you just love and you just need to be there yeah yeah know that you care that goes a long ways because in this specific instance you know, what I really needed to learn is I was maybe wrestling for 10 years, battled this thing, and I just, as you know, it just got exhausting. But a lot of my um, significance or value came through that. So it was like, mm-hmm. well, what if I don't have this? Mm-hmm. Like, this is my greatest gift. What if I don't have this? But I realized through your love and support, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it doesn't change anything with me and you. No. I mean, there may be no. other people that'll look at me differently, or, mm-hmm. but with me and you, mm-hmm. we're still the same. Mm-hmm. Just go on. So that's that's mm-hmm. a that's that love and support. Mm-hmm. Just sometimes you can't do anything, but just be there for them. Sure. I think that's really good. Uh, another question: What does your spouse do for you that you appreciate the most? Well, this is practical, but the very first thing <laughs> that came up to me, and this has been <clears throat> an ongoing thing in our relationship, but that you plan vacations yeah. for us yeah. and our family, yeah. and then I'm going to say before you talk about that but that i love the fact that you you love god you love me and you loved our family mm. like i appreciate that thank you yeah i already talked about what mine is you know the fact that you you know my love language We're, we'll talk a little, bit, a little bit about love languages but mine is words of affirmation and so when i would call you and i'd look on your phone and i'd see my hero pops up that meant a lot to me for some people that may not be a big thing they're mm. just they're, they have a different love language that's huge for me um, when I would speak, you know, up until I was 50, that was basically what I did for 30 years was mm-hmm. I was a speaker. And so I'd get done speaking. I may have scores of people or hundreds of people going, oh, that was message was so good. And, and, and I kind of liked that. And I kind of, but there was only one person I really, really wanted to hear that from. You, you were always very that. good about 
you know, just mm-hmm. saying, hey, I like that you when you did this or this was a good mm-hmm. part of it because you know that words of affirmation meant a lot to me or mean a lot true. to me. So I, I think, you know, it's one thing I really appreciate that you do for me. And so I would say to the audience, figure out your spouse and what their love language is, what they need from you, and then make sure you're pouring mm-hmm. into that, you're giving them mm-hmm. that. What was a hard lesson you learned in your marriage? Oh, I think early on, one of the hardest lessons I don't know if hard is the right word, but I realized that we are not alike at all. And we thought we were. We thought we we enjoy similar things. We enjoy similar activities. We enjoy doing similar things. But that doesn't mean that we're alike. Yes. Because we are not alike. We have very different personalities, likes, dislikes, the, the lens that we see things through, our perspective how we work like it's mm-hmm. so totally different. different totally different but, but we didn't we since we knew each other since we were 12 dated to high school we mm-hmm. get married and we're like we're we're alike that's oh, where I know, like, what i mean when i say we're alike because right. we thought we were alike because we had similar interests and we love to do the same mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and, and we had we fun didn't doing those together. things but we but we get married and we start living life together and all <laughs> right. of a sudden it's like what the heck she's totally different than me and <laughs> right. which is which is how God usually works it, right? Opposites mm-hmm. attract. Yes. Remember the book? Yes. Describe the book. Yes. The title was Opposites Attract, but the word attract was crossed out and it was slashed yeah, out. Yeah. And it it was sl- the word attract was slashed out and it said attack. Yeah. And wow, was that book appropriate? Oh, for one us. of the best books for our marriage. We wasn't really, it? yes, it was. Because we, we had just started this mm-hmm, journey of of mm-hmm. living life together and all of a sudden we're going like we're actually really opposite from each other. Right. Yeah. And we just having stupid, like all couples, we're having stupid fights. Like one of the first right. ones we have after we get married, well, the first time we go shopping together, we had to fight over brown sugar. Mm-hmm. Right. We're standing mm-hmm. in the aisle and it was like, You're like this one's cheaper. And I said, do well, what? do you want to have soft cookies? And yeah. Like, but this one's 20 cents cheaper. But do you want to have soft cookies? Because the lens so. I looked through at that time in my life was right. just, you get save money. the cheapest thing. Yes. You save money. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and yours mm-hmm. was, well, there's quality involved in this too. Right. Which, but that was just a silly example of we just looked through a different lens. Yes. And mm-hmm. the longer we've lived together, the more we realize how opposite we are. The biggest difference for me was the Enneagram. That made a huge difference learning about each other, learning about you, what Enneagram number you are. Because it tells you everything, like what you think, what you do, it's all filters through that perspective, that how you're bent. That made a huge difference, not just with you, but with our family. Yeah, our kids. But that's, we learned our kids that's a lot better. Made the, yeah, yeah. the biggest difference. And yeah. we've done Strength Finder, and that's been, that was good too. But I feel like as far as a relationship, yeah. I think the Enneagram has made for me, at least, it's made the most difference. Yeah, but Shar, you're bringing up something important, though. I think again, is it's going that yes, those are the love language tests, the the um, strength finder test, personality test, enneagram test. You're saying the enneagram was the one that worked the best for you, but we're saying those are important. Learn your spouse. Learn about yes, your spouse. Right, right. We, and those questions that we talked about earlier—that is one way that you can learn about yeah. your spouse. Yeah. So we get engaged at 19. You're 18, I guess, 19. And the pastor that was going to marry us, he's like, well, I, I, I want to do premarital counseling with you, which is, we were great. Yeah. So we go in the first time, but we had gone to, we had good mentors in our life and good people in our life. So we knew all the right answers with marriage. So mm-hmm. we go to the first um, premarital counseling. And remember, he's like, at the end of it, he's like, you guys. You guys will be fine. You're good. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
And then we get into How our marriage. How little and it's we like, knew. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just, I wish so much that like some mm -hmm. of our premarital had been these things that we're talking about. Take mm -hmm. some of these personality mm -hmm. tests. Figure out how you're wired. You mm -hmm. you look through a different lens mm -hmm. than I look through. And our kids have gone through some premarital counseling, and I'm like, oh, I wish we would have gone through yeah. that book. That oh, was yeah. phenomenal to learn about one another and your relationship and what that will look like in the future. Yeah, mm -hmm. we'll hope so much. Mm -hmm. So um, moving on here then, um, what is your favorite thing about marriage? I get to live with my best friend. I wrote something similar. Okay. I said living this adventurous life with someone who is your best friend, lover, and partner. There and you the go. That is the beauty of it, isn't it? It is. Like we get to mm -hmm. we get to do life together. Yes. The ups, the downs, the mm -hmm. messiness, but it makes the mm -hmm. ups even better and the mm -hmm. lows, it makes them better too because you're not mm -hmm. doing it alone. Well, there's usually, we've talked about this in the circle of friendships that you may have. <clears throat> You've got the inner circle is really tight mm -hmm. and it's probably a spouse. Mm -hmm. And then you've got another circle and you've only maybe got two or three people in it. And then you have another circle and that has a few more in it. But, and that also has to do with the time that you spend with them. You can't spend, you don't have time in your day, in your life to spend all this time with everybody. You can't, you yeah. have to yeah. have those circles that designate your priority. Yeah, You have to, yeah. otherwise you'd go crazy. So to be able to have you yeah. be that one inner circle that I get to yeah. Spend my time with, be vulnerable with when I'm yeah. the intimacy, not just physical, but emotional. No, that's a good part though, too. So, well, yeah. <laughs> now you're, you're, you're totally right. And you use the word vulnerable and that's what jumped out at me that in a healthy marriage, um, you can be vulnerable and it's okay. And you feel safe with that. Right. And that's rare. And that's why that, like that inner circle you know, I, right. I tell people often that one of my favorite things was for a long time when I would call you, when it would pop up on your phone, it would say my hero and have a picture of me, which is interesting because no one knows my flaws better than you. Like, mm -hmm. There's no one on this planet that knows my flaws better than Charlotte. Oh Nicola. my gosh, you're so, you're my hero. But then to you have are. you say that is which, which is where it's like, that's that inner circle. Right. Where I'm vulnerable because yeah. you know my flaws, mm -hmm. but to still say that. Um, that's something special. That's doing that adventure together. Yeah. Well, uh, what are the ways for people to keep the spark or keep the relationship fresh after years of marriage? Mm -hmm. This is a good one because I think, especially in our society today, you see people joking about it all the time. <laughs> They've been married for 15 years. Like, you know, where's the spark now? It's got to be boring. You know each other. So how do you how do you keep that alive? You have to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. You have to choose to whether it's going on dates. Um, whether it's going on vacations together, just the two of you, whether it's um, like for us, what we have had to do is sometimes with, um, especially you, you're a lot, probably a lot more sentimental. Is that the word? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially I'm a crybaby. Yeah. I hear you saying especially I'm a crybaby. <laughs> especially with our family and the memories we have with our family. And we <laughs> yes. could totally get stuck there and always think about and remember those situations. But we have chosen to be intentional about making new memories, even if it's just the two of us, because most of the time now it's just the two yeah. of us. Yeah. So we have chosen to be intentional about making new memories. And sometimes that's exploring new new places or new things. or And sometimes that's just going someplace you've been before but you're just making new memories in that in that location or yeah, wherever yeah. yeah i'm smiling because um 
you're you're so right on. I am sentimental, and I'm the one that when our kids, especially our firstborn, when our daughter left, and mm-hmm. I always make videos for them, like their senior year. Remember, I mm-hmm. make the big video. Mm-hmm. We still watch them, and it's kind of their whole life, and it's got some songs. And so Ashley moves away. She moves back to Montana. We're living in Phoenix. And when you and the boys were gone, I would just put that in and just sit there on the couch and just cry, cry, just torturing myself with that. And then I did the same with both boys when they left home. But what you're saying is so true. We kept pursuing each other. We kept, and you kept reminding us, like, let's make new memories. Mm -hmm. And it was was a hard transition for a little while because we poured our life into our kids and we loved having our kids at home. absolutely. It was hard when they left, but man. Yeah, this has been a good. We're really one. loving having the we kids are. gone now. Yeah, we are because because of what you really encouraged us to do. Like, let's make new memories. Mm-hmm. So now, in a year or two, I'm going to be watching videos of us right now. And crying you'll be crying on the couch. over this. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. Okay, next question. <laughs> and I won't want to look at them. So let's say a boy and a girl in their young twenties just got engaged and are planning to get married. What piece of advice would you say to them? We've been talking for quite a while now. All this different stuff, just about our life, how we've made our marriage, how we've done things. Um, if we had to boil it down and say, here's three pieces of advice we would give. Now, you and I decided last night that we we're going to sit down, let's talk through this, and we'll come up with three together. Right. So here's the three pieces of advice, and then we'll talk about them. Number one, pursue each other. Question, how do you do that practically? So someone may be listening going, okay, yeah, pursue um, each other. Sounds good. But how do you practically do that? Well, it goes back to probably the answer to many of the other questions that we took, like finding out about the other person, like getting to know them who they really who they really are whether it's versus with the enneagram as a part of that or just um dating of mm-hmm. course um how about this one being flexible and recognizing that there's going to be seasons that people are going to change oh absolutely because of what we talked about earlier the you you don't want to be still married to a 20 year old who's for, like 40 yeah. but they still act like they're 20 yeah you know, whatever that, whatever that may be, you want to allow for maturity for growth, whether it's, um, emotionally, obviously there's going to be changes physically, but so you work, you talk about that, you work through that and, um, just relationally. Yeah. You know, and I would put on there with the pursuing each other friendship. We've talked about this from the early days of our marriage, that friendship is what's going to go. You're going to, there's, you know, oh, so much of your married life is going to ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. There's going to be ups and downs. You have good times, but it's the friendship though that's going to carry. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. is your best friend. This is the person we laugh you, a lot together. Yeah, we do laugh a lot. We together, laugh a lot together. with each other and at each other. Yes. yes, not in a not in a demeaning way. No, but, but we yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. like and her sound so, effects for the audience oh, that's are they're atrocious. Ter- they're absolutely, atro- and I'm not going to do that. And I love to I'm make. I say just that. make it. Try to make a gun sound, I'm and not. then I just laugh. I, you've made me no. laugh like yeah. in, in tears because yes. yeah, but that's a good one. Like laughing at each other. Okay, so pursuing each other. Number two, fight well. Some people mm-hmm. might not like the word fight, so we could just say um, argue, dis- argue disagree. disagree, whatever it is, because maybe some people grew up in a really bad home and fight is a trigger word for them. But for us, we're going to use the word fight well, disagree, argue well. W- what does that look like? How do you do that? That respect is is important because that leads back to I'm for you, not against you. I'm for us, not yeah. against us. Remember when we were talking about this last night, and we were, we were talking back and forth about it and everything, and... And all of a sudden I go, oh, I got a quotable quote. And I wrote it down. Yes. This is, this is gold. This yeah. is a quote okay. that came out of our discussion. Okay. You will fight well with each other if you spend most of your time fighting for each other. So Wait, say that one more time. You will fight well with each other. That's the word. 
Okay. If you spend most of your time fighting for each other. Right. If our marriage, if most of our marriage was fighting with each other, that's, that's, there's a problem. But because we spent most of our time fighting for each other, the times that this is going to happen in any mm-hmm. marriage because we're two broken human beings mm-hmm. that you, that you have fights, you're going to fight. You're going to fight mm-hmm. well or better with each mm-hmm. other. Keep the main thing the main thing. You said that last night. Oh, that's about this. true. Keep the main thing the main thing. I think sometimes, you know, we all have a tendency, no matter what relationship you're in, but especially with a spouse, that there's something that happens and you're like, this is why I'm really mad. But then all of a sudden when you're talking, it's like, oh, wait, but all of these other little things that might be irritants or whatever start coming into the conversation. It's like, wait, wait, wait. In fact, we had to do that when we talked a few weeks ago, we had, to, we had to both agree to go, okay, this is a separate issue. We can talk about that another time, but this is, this is why we're here. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about why we're here in this situation and we can, we can deal with that yeah. another time. Yeah. So three pieces of advice. Number one, pursue each other. Number two, fight well. And then the last one was love is not a noun. It's an action verb. Yes. And this, very, is, very much this so. is what you said. Yeah. You have to back it up with action because yep. just saying, hearing somebody say, I love you. I mean, I love chocolate. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That usually means I'm eating it. Yep. There's action, right? Yes. Like <laughs> there's You're action. doing something about it. I'm doing something yes. about it. You know, I love to hike. Well, okay. You probably out hiking then. Well, I love you. Well, yeah. how do I, um, serve you, which is sounds subservient, but it's not, but how do I, yeah. how do I make you happy? What yeah. do I do I make the foods that you like? Do we do the things that you like? Do we watch the things that you like to watch? Do we, you know, whatever yeah. it is that will make your day, yeah. so to speak. And me doing the same back for you. Yes. So it makes a healthy relationship. Right. Yeah, I think that's so good. And, you know, again, coming from a, a faith-based background, both of us are, that's what's beautiful about the Bible. The most quoted verse in the entire Bible, probably, if you've watched any football game, you've seen it there in the, in the, in the background, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, that's not where it ends. That he gave his only begotten son, mm-hmm. that he gave his son. So that's where you see the action. The action. God doesn't just mm-hmm. say he loves us. He actually displays it by how he does it. And, and right. he says the same to us. Right. That if right. we claim to love, then mm-hmm. there's going to be action mm-hmm. behind it. Anything else that you feel like you have to say that, we've, that we're missing? Um, I really love you. <laughs> love you too. Okay, this is going to be the fun part. And oh, we've been wrestling with this one. So this the fun thing hard. we do in the No Grays podcast is we do Two Truths and a Lie, which, by the way, was your 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 idea. Okay. When we were coming up with this podcast a year and a half ago or whatever, and I said, I want to do something that's a little different. Like, everybody's got their little thing that they end. What, what can we do? And you said, you should maybe do the Two Truths and a Lie. And it's been a fun part. People have talked about how they really enjoy it. So we interview a guest for about a half hour, 45 minutes. And then I say, give us two truths and a lie and see if the audience and me, if we can guess it. Okay. But you and I have been wrestling with this for weeks. We've been thinking about Well, we've about known each other for so long. Yeah, we've known each other for know. 40 years. How can I? Okay. How, so we both last night were with our youngest son. We needed his help. Yes. He was so trying I'm to give some idea. I'm going to stump you. I'm going to go first. Okay. I want, I have to, go, I want to go first. I have to read, I have mine. To read okay. mine too. So I'm going to read mine. Okay. Two so, truths, two truths and, a and a lie. lie. I got to okay. figure out which lie. Okay. I did not earn straight A's in high school. I wet the bed until I was in first grade. Kyle was present at the birth of his cousin. Kyle is our youngest son. You got straight A's in high school. You got straight A's your whole life probably. Uh, Kyle was not at the birth of, that's the lie. No, that's true. Ah, he was little. He was like three months old, and my sister wanted me to be in the room when she delivered, but I was still nursing, so I had to take him with me. He was sitting in the his um car seat when Bella was born. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I know you, you, cause you always talk about that, that that was something you, you were always embarrassed about. You wet your bed until like way late, but that's not the lie though. Cause that's true. But it was the first grade off. Yeah. It was actually third grade. <laughs> okay. Okay. I had a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I had a problem, but we figured it out. You got me. I got you. Nice. I got you. All right. Okay. Kyle's going to be so happy. He helped us with these. Our youngest so son. I d- and I did okay. not earn straight A's in high school. What? That is true. Yeah, That's you did. true. You're That's the not the lie. Doesn't mean you earned straight A's in high school. We only had 18 kids in our class. I didn't have to earn straight wow. A's in high school. Remember how bad I was at geometry? I didn't understand geometry until my final exam. Yeah. So I Well, just so the audience knows, you were the valedictorian. I was the guy that made the top two thirds of the class okay. possible. So. Okay. Well. Okay. Here we go. Two truths and a lie. Okay. Oh, you got me. I got to get you here. Okay. The most embarrassed I ever was with you was when I pooped my pants in front of you the first time. Okay. The happiest I've ever been with you was the day I married you. The most captivated I ever was with you was the day we drove over the pass. I was looking at you in the mirror as you sat in the back seat with our niece and the wind was blowing through your hair. Okay, I'm going to say the number three is true. Yes. Okay. Now you got a 50-50 chance. I know. Okay, read the first two again. You're going to make me say the first one again? Yes. The most embarrassed I I ever was with you was when I pooped my pants in front of you the first time. The happiest I've ever been with you was the day I married you. I'm going to say that the first one is true and the second one is the lie. Why do you think it's the lie? Because that was just one day, and I feel like we've had so many good, it's just gotten better. You got it. <laughs> you got it. So the most embarrassing moment was the time I pooped my pants in front of you the first time. The happiest I've ever been with you was the day I married you. That was the lie, because I would say the happiest I ever was with you was when we were, it was around our 10-year anniversary. We had a couple of kids, three kids, and um, we got to go to Hawaii, just the two of us. And that was that. Explained. That was around the ten year, and that was the happiest I ever was with you. I think ever. that was like ever. Sorry, hey. last week was tough. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a really great memory. It was a that great was a memory. Really Why we vacation. often encourage couples yes. saying, "Man, you have to once you mm-hmm. start having kids, you got to figure out a way. Have How mom to and dad, get away or just the two of you, Graham, somehow yeah. get away every once in a while, the two mm-hmm. of you, because it's one of the most free. It, we just felt mm-hmm. free, and we knew each mm-hmm. other. When you first married, you're still trying to figure each other. You're trying right. to learn about. But we we'd been we'd been together now ten years, mm-hmm. married, and mm-hmm. it was just it was mm-hmm. a great time. So, mm-hmm. all right, and I you do got remember. Me. I totally got you and. I just, you know, for the record, I win. (laughs) I win. Okay. Well, another important thing in marriage is don't keep records. So we're going to forget who won this one. Okay. Well, Sharman, thanks for being on the No Gray Ears podcast. Thanks for asking me. I love you too. Hey, today we had special guest Sharman McCullough, my wife, and we had a great conversation about what makes a healthy relationship. But we want to hear from you. What do you think is essential to making a great marriage or a great relationship? Please comment below. Or if you're listening to an audio platform, send in your comments to info at nograyareas.com. Thanks for joining us. And remember to like, follow, and especially subscribe. No Gray Areas.